Hello, friends of Bill W. and others. You have landed on Sober Speak. On our episode today, we will be talking to Shannon M. And uh, this is going to be a special one for me. I'll explain more of that in just a moment. But my name is John M. And I am an alcoholic. We are glad you are all here, especially newcomers. Newcomers, that is, to both recovery and newcomers to this podcast. This is a show about recovery centered around the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. Our aim is to be informative and hopefully have a little bit of fun at the same time. Consider Sober Speak, if you will, your meeting between meetings. If you're enjoying the podcast, please reach out to us and let us know what you think at feedback at soberspeak.com. We would love to hear from you. Please remember, We do not speak for any 12-step community. We represent only ourselves. We are here to share our experience, strength, and hope with those who wish to come along for the ride, take what you want, and leave the rest at the curb. But that's enough of that. Let's go ahead and dive into this episode. And everybody, I am pleased to welcome Ms. Shannon M. Hello, Shannon. Hello. That beautiful voice I get to wake up to every day, and by that I mean this is going to be a little bit of a special uh, recording for me. Uh, Shannon M. is my spouse, my wife, and uh, she has agreed to sit down with me here at the Sober Speak microphone and share her experience. In fact, uh, she is, uh, I guess, what do we call it, a, uh, is it called a double winner, is that correct? That is correct. I'm wondering what I'm called now because I have an, it's like I'm a triple winner now. (laughs) Well, go ahead and explain that. What do you mean? Well, so um, I've been sober since July 24th of 94, so I am an alcoholic. Um, I grew up in a family of alcoholics and obviously married an alcoholic. Um, You married an alcoholic? (laughs) That's kind of a mistake. So growing up in that family... um, just with my story, I was in Alateen and then moved on to Al-Anon as well. So I'm a member of Al-Anon and a member of AA. And then I also, as just recently, um, began the program of Overeaters Anonymous. And so now I work that program as well. Well, you would kind of be a quadruple winner then, or it sounds like, because you have Alateen. You have Al-Anon, kind of sort of the same thing. That's the but, same thing, yeah, yes. Okay. It's just an age difference. <laughs> and you have OA, right? Right. Okay. So far. <laughs> so far. <laughs> Maybe more to come. There Sorry. There more A's. Oh, no. Please, no more A's. <laughs> right. Well... All right, so let's. Uh, some of the questions I'm going to ask you, actually, you know, I'm, I, I will know the answers to, uh, but I still want to hear them on Sober Speaking. I want all the other folks out there in the land, uh, in the other countries to be familiar with. And um, so, I, what, what was your first experience? Uh, what are your first memories of your experience with recovery? Just recovery in general? Yeah, just in general. Okay, so growing up, um, my oldest sister went to treatment, and so they have a family week during treatment, and we all went to Arizona to do the family week. I was about nine or ten years old, maybe younger than that, eight eight years old, I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. And so 
during that week. So she was in treatment. Treatment, yeah, in for Arizona. Alcohol and drug addiction, yes. that sort of thing. Okay. Exactly. And they have family week and then they ask you to come or not you personally. Right, our family. Or the families. Right. Okay. There are lots of us. So were you living where were you living at the time? I think we stayed in a hotel. No, no, no. I mean Oh. What where <laughs> sorry. <laughs> No, where, what part of the country were you living in at the time? We were in Corpus Christi, Texas. All right. So you're in Corpus, Mm -hmm. and everybody makes the trek from, when I say everybody, how many people went out there? So I'm the youngest of three girls. I have my middle sister, and then my mom and my dad. And just to note, my oldest sister that was in treatment, she's eight and a half years older than me. So that's a big difference. Um, I was very young, and she was pretty much grown up when this was going on. Gotcha. So you're kind of going, what? I mean, it's hard when you're eight or nine to fully comprehend exactly what's going on. Yes. I had no idea what was going on at all. I was just going along. I mean, you know, you think, hey, I have this no is a choice. Trip, right? <laughs> it's not like I could stay home. You're right. <laughs> so I'm gonna take this one. Uh, I'm gonna uh, stay home for this ride. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So, so you all get out there. So there's uh, you and your sister, uh, um, and uh, your your parents. I'm assuming both were going out there. Both right? parents. Yes. So, and- so four of you are going out there to see the sister who is in treatment. Right. And just to note, my other sister, we're just a year and a half apart. So yeah. we're very close in age. So our oldest sister was definitely kind of a separate sibling, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, we just, she was always grown up, so to speak, when we were little. So yeah. a, lot, a lot of stuff that she was doing, we didn't understand. Okay. So this is your first exposure to recovery. You go out there to uh, Arizona, mm-hmm. and um, you. what do you remember from that trip? Confusion. I remember being very just confused about what was going on. I remember hearing things um, that we would have real big meetings, and the kids were in there. Um, and so we would hear all kinds of, this is not like your regular AA meeting. This is like... People are really getting deep into what's wrong with them and their backgrounds and yeah. abuse. And yeah. so that was my first. So you're nine years old and you're hearing Maybe, all this? yeah, eight, nine. I didn't understand it, but I just got the feeling that I'm not sure I like recovery. Right. <laughs> you know, I wasn't real it's sure. It's pretty intense for a kid. Very intense. That's intense for an adult. Yes. It was, and I ended up getting physically sick from it. Um, what do you why, What do you mean by that? I got a really bad sore throat and thwart, throat infection where I couldn't talk, wow. which was very interesting. Um, you know, that's just sort of I think my body. Ta- you know, I don't know. It was just a time where I just got really sick. Okay, so you, so we're, um, so we got, so you got a throat infection. You couldn't talk. Right. And and so let me tell you a little bit about what what's going on with my parents, because it is interesting. My dad drank the whole time. While you were there. At right. For, so we are at this, you know, really nice treatment center in Arizona. My sister is there for alcohol, drug addiction, and they tell the parents not to drink this week. You know, it's really mm. about their daughter or son. And really to be available for them for recovery. Well, my dad 
wasn't even able to do that with his alcoholism. He drank the whole week. So were you were you aware enough at your age to know that he was not supposed to be drinking this week? I don't remember it. Okay. I know that from But you know he was. Though. Yes, I found out later that he was. Gotcha. Um was your mother able to abstain that week? Do you have any recollection of that? She was, yes. Okay. All right, so your dad. So we know, obviously, your your sister uh, has uh, at that time has some uh, uh, issues with alcohol and drug addiction. Obviously, your mom, excuse me, your your father does. He can't um, mm, curtail his activities during the week where he's supposed to be doing that. So, right. so, so, so that that that's your first um, foray, if you will, into the world of recovery. Do you remember much after that between then and the years? I mean, I mean what, do you, what do you remember in the years going on forward from there before you got into recovery yourself? Okay, so pretty quickly, um, my sister ended up going back into treatment um, a second time, but this time they kept her in town, so she was in Corpus Christi in treatment. We still did a family week, but I was older. Hmm. I kind of knew more of what was going on. What to expect. What to time. expect. My parents believe were separated by this time. Um and my mom um, ended up getting in recovery herself, um, so she's sober. And so, well, hold on. So, was was that during this during this time? Do you I remember? really don't know. Okay. It's kind of her story, right. and I don't know the timetable on her because okay. I don't know the years when everything happened. I understand. I know when she got sober, but I don't know the years and how it correlates. How old were you when you were going back to uh, treatment for your sister for the second time? I was in sixth grade by then. Okay. So, like you said, you were a little bit older. Yes. Um, you knew the game, so to speak, or you knew what Family Week was all about. Uh, did it seem as did it seem shocking to you, or did you seem like old hat? Do you remember any revelations? I felt experienced. I was like <laughs> the sixth grade little girl that I was like, oh, I know how to do all this. <laughs> I already know how to do this. <laughs> and while we're talking, it's kind of funny. What I remember about Arizona are dark rooms, like sitting in the these dark rooms everything was really like the lights weren't on or something and then in Corpus this facility there had big windows and it was really light and airy and it, I remember just feeling so much better about it so I would say my mom was sober by this time okay yeah all right okay so so you um uh, you went through this experience with your sister for the second time. So now take me a little bit further. Tell me mm-hmm. about you and yes. your uh, recovery, if you will. Like, in other words, uh, were you drinking when you were younger? Uh, when did you finally get into a, a, a meeting for yourself, if you mm-hmm. will? So just real quick, too. Um, so we have this treatment and go into family week in sixth grade. And by seventh grade, I was drinking. Um, I knew not to drink. I knew it was terrible for me. I thought it was evil even. I didn't want anything to do with it. Um, I was at my dad's house and I decided to pick up the vodka because I knew vodka didn't smell. And he wouldn't be able <laughs> of course. to smell it on me. I think other people have <laughs> spoken about the uh, non-smelling vodka on sober speech. Yes. <laughs> and... Um, so by then, obviously, I knew stuff about alcohol. So I, at you know, 13 years old, I knew to drink vodka with with orange juice for you know. I knew how to make a mixed drink. I knew how to um, make a lot of different drinks. Because looking back, um, I was drinking beer at five. 
Um, now, not drinking a whole beer, but, you know, we had Miller lights around the house. And, you know, I would just go around and sip beer. I mean, we all did. We didn't see anything wrong with it. So I had it in my system. So when you were when you had that vodka at your dad's house, did you remember? Uh, I mean, did you just pick up a vodka bottle and chug from it? Did you pour it in a glass? No, <laughs> it was very much a dainty process, <laughs> if you can imagine. No, I got my orange juice and I got the cup, and I'm in the closet, by the way. I by remember- yourself? Yes. Okay, so you were out to experiment by yourself. Yes. Well, you know, I mean, most people are kind of, it's like a peer pressure thing at that particular age. No. But you were a, uh, you were a trailblazer. Yes. You just wanted to go out on the edge by yourself uh-huh. in seventh grade yep. to see what it was. So were you drawn to the idea of, I wonder what this will be like? Yes. I wanted to know what the big deal was. Like why, you know, I really don't remember, but I do think like, thinking, this will make me feel better. Gotcha. That was my thought, and it did. It worked immediately. Mm -hmm. Um, I drank the whole cup of orange juice and vodka, and I made several of them. Mm. And I don't remember really getting drunk, but I remember just feeling relaxed. Mm -hmm. It was just my mind finally was quiet, and that was it. Well, this is a warning to all parents out there. Don't leave your kids unsupervised during the day with bottles of liquor in the house. I was at my dad's house when this happened. I never drank at my mom's house. It was always at my dad's house. So, okay. So that's... So was that because you knew you wouldn't get caught? Yeah, he didn't care. Gotcha. Yeah, he didn't care at all. So um, that's seventh grade. I ended up taking alcohol to school. I got suspended for a couple of days. Um, How did they find it? Do you remember? I wrote a note in Texas history, and they picked up the note. And for some reason, to my friend, I was like making the appointment of when we were going to meet in the girls' bathroom to drink our alcohol. And my teacher picked up the note, so I got caught. Oh, so and it was like in your purse or something like that, or do you remember like? Yeah, no, I was passing it in class. Yeah, so that you were passing, but was the oh the alcohol was with my friend? It wasn't with me, so she got suspended even longer which is I look back on and I feel really bad about it (laughs) but (laughs) at the time I was like whew Um, I was yeah and just to let the world know I do not look like someone that would be bringing alcohol to school Um, I came from a you know how do I say you know just a nice home Mm -hmm. Um, we lived in the upper class neighborhood and where I lived um like the money kind of thing, you know. Yeah. Um, we have a tendency to blend in very well. Yes, I did. Uh, right, but you don't think of that typical, mm-hmm. even the kid that may be living on the street, I, that was not me at all. Mm-hmm. And I was very affected by alcohol. So um, that went on, you know, just experimenting with different things in junior high. Now, by the time I got to high school, I kind of figured out I may have a problem. And so I tried to stop drinking. So you actually had an inkling when you got oh, to yeah. high school, which yes. is much. So you're you're way ahead of the curve with everything. <laughs> I'm very advanced. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you're a quick study. So by this time, I was having blackouts. I didn't, you know, I was waking up where I didn't know where I was. Usually the golf course, which was by my house, um, tennis courts, and that kind of. Thing. You know, it was just I was so young, but at the time I didn't feel that young. But I was putting myself in very dangerous situations. And somewhere in my head, I knew that. So um, 
in high school, I tried to quit drinking several times. And then I thought, okay, when I get to college, it'll be a different place. I'm not going to be around any of these friends that I have. I'm going to stop drinking. I'm just going to become a whole different person. Once again, you're ahead of the curve. Most people go to college to learn how to drink. Uh, <laughs> right. You're thinking I'm going to go to college. To stop. To uh-huh. stop. Uh, but it didn't turn out that way, I'm assuming? Um, no. I mean, yeah, when I say I drink in middle school or junior high, I drank. I'm not talking like, you know, I had a screwdriver here and there. I drank. I would take my dad's bottles and I would drink half the bottle. I mean, and he had huge bottles of liquor everywhere. So, you know, it was affecting me. I mean, I knew something was wrong. Did he ever say, hey, I wonder where that liquor's going? Did that no. ever come up? I wouldn't, either, either wasn't aware or didn't care, one of the two. I'm sure he wasn't aware of it. He probably thought he drank it. I mean, right. you know. So, yes, I went to college trying to stop drinking um, and just get away from everything. So I went as far as I could within the state of Texas. Um, It ended up I did not was not able to stop drinking. Um, I got myself into more situations at college than I did even at home. Um, And it ended up being a really bad situation. And my health was very scary. So um, what happened was like. My last time I drank, I remember drinking once, like the first sip, and that's all I remember. And I woke up at a guy's apartment, and there was a party, and I was hallucinating, and I didn't, I didn't know what was going on. I had no idea how I got there, and it scared me so bad that I was like, "This is it. I can't do this anymore." And I knew that was it. Were you? Were you? Freshman, sophomore, what, what were you at this point? Do you remember? I believe I was a sophomore late, and you know, it would have been in July between my sophomore and junior year. Okay, so yeah. you'd had a good couple years to mm-hmm. uh, learn how to drink like a lady. Just kidding. <laughs> you had a good couple years to learn how to drink properly. Right. And uh, so, okay, that's in, so now we're into a July uh, between your. Uh, oh, because I happen to know, what is right. your sobriety date again? July 24th of 94. Were you in, uh, and tell the folks where you were in school? Oh, where I went to school? Yeah, where you went to I went to school at Texas Tech University in Lubbock, Texas. So were you in Lubbock at the time, or were you back yes. home for this? So you stayed there for the summer? I or? was there in the summer. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And so... Um, just back up a little bit. I had several friends on the way, along the way, like tell me I need to stop drinking. Like Shannon, something's wrong with you, and so that too helped me understand. You know, there might be something wrong. Right. So by the time and you were in a sorority there, right? Right, and those girls were telling me, and then they knew about what <laughs> happened this one night, and they said, "Really, you've got to stop." And I was like, "I can't. I don't know what to do." You mean even sorority girls become alcoholics? Yes, and. Uh, <laughs> They do. And, but they, my, you know, my friends were so sweet and they said, there's a place on campus you can go. There's a whole center over here for recovering alcoholics. And I was, mm-hmm. I had no idea. And sure enough, Texas Tech is one of the first universities to have a whole recovery program on campus where students can go to AA meetings, hang out, have coffee, have, you know, it was a community on campus, a safe place for us to go that 
needed that. Very nice. I didn't know that. So, uh, so I wonder, do you have any idea if that place is still around it today? Is, oh yeah, it's definitely still there. It's a huge program. Mm-hmm. Um, they've expanded all over Texas. They're trying to, I think they believe, sorry, I believe they started it at different schools around the country mm-hmm. with this it's a model for how to do this on campuses across the country. So you got do you got involved in that life then, right? Oh yes, I definitely did. Do you remember your first meeting? Or? Yes, um, I ended up staying sober by myself. Um, that was July fourth night, and then on July twenty third, I went to a bar with the friend, my friends, and mm-hmm. I thought, you know, I'll be fine. And then I said. <laughs> You know how we are. I was like, let me just try a sip of beer. (laughs) Let me just see what it'll do. (laughs) And so I took back to the vodka (laughs) experiment again. I took a sip of my friend's beer, and it just was the nastiest thing I had ever tasted ever. It was the weirdest experience Mm -hmm. because I'd never had that before. Um, And the very next day, that was at night. The very next day morning, I went to an AA meeting, and I've been sober since. It, it was, I'm very lucky, but it was very obvious to me that I was really going to kill myself if I didn't stop. So, you know, I'm interested in, we talked about you being uh, in several different programs yes. here. And, I, you know, I don't even know if I've ever talked to you about this. And, <laughs> and I see you a lot. Uh, yeah. And so you talked about being in... AA, yes, in Al-Anon, mm-hmm. and in OA. So is there some way you can, in a thumbnail sketch, kind of talk about the experience in all three and how they differ and what they've done for you? Okay, so Al-Anon, I've been around since the beginning of, you know, the first recovery treatment center that my sister was in, in Arizona. Okay. I, we started Alateen right after that. Um, when you say we started Alateen, my sister and I. Oh, your younger sister. Yeah, your, my older your, sister. Yeah, right, right, Older right. sister, yeah. Your older sister, but not not the one who was in treatment. Right. Right. It so, actually, I think it was, act the no, it was the one in Corpus Christi because we were too young to do it then. But by the time in seventh grade, uh, we were old enough to do Alateen. Okay, so you were going to Alateen when you came back to Corpus Christi then. Correct. And when I was drinking. Got it. <laughs> In fact, there were several kids that we were um, all friends. I'm we sure. were all drinking. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Make, uh, if our kids want to go to Alateen, we got to be real careful, right? Right. All right. So, so uh, that's the Al-Anon. Um, I got sober, obviously, in college. Um, knew that was a problem. And then just two years ago, did I finally realize and open my eyes that I have a problem with eating. And it's not so much the eating part, it's the mental part for me. Um, The mental obsession, the um, mental obsession with what I look like, what my weight is, um, it's it's really took over my life um, the past 10 years, I'd say. Okay, so talk about that. When you say took over your life, can you explain a little bit of that? For yeah, this? it's um, I it's a disorder kind of thing. Um, just a, do you remember having that ever since you were you know little bitty, or did it happen at a particular time? Yes, um, my father was very loud about my weight and what I you know how much I weighed. What and do you he mean was, by he was loud about it? He told everyone. I mean, it was just, he would say it in front of his friends. He would, we would be at a dinner table. We always went out with friends and, you know, my 
because my parents partied. Um, and he would talk about it in the, at the table. And, it w- and then, you know, we just had a lot of talk in my family about what I was eating and what I looked like and how much I weighed. Wow. So I grew up with that. The drinking took that away. And was that from like very young or did that oh, yeah. happen when you became like a, in mm-hmm. your 20s or it was pretty much the whole time? Yeah. Right? I remember it when I was four. So yeah. 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 It I was mean, definitely there when I was four. That was more about like, you got to eat this. You know, I was a picky eater mm-hmm. um, in that some foods just grossed me out and still do to this day. And they would try to make me eat those things. Yeah. And so um, that put, you know, it was just not a good start. Right. In life, you know, regarding food. So. Right. So oh, go ahead. Well, I was, and so I was going to say when you said it, it, it took over your life there for those 10 years, uh, uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you're able to dive into that a little bit further because I think a lot of people can relate to that. Oh, I do too. Um, as an adult, I was still thinking about it all the time. Um, when you say it, does that mean when you're? Are you thinking about how much I weigh? And if I could get to this weight, then I would be much happier. Everything would be okay. And would you get to that weight? Never. No. And there's a funny story about that because now I'm at that weight, which mm. is funny. I mean, after recovery and just kind of letting it go, it's, you know, now I'm at that weight. Cause but, I'm you, a, but your thought was, is if I ever get to this weight, I will be okay. Yes. I'll be free. Yes. Um, and people will think differently of me. Right. I'll think differently of myself. Right. Um, but Yeah, it, more self-esteem. I will feel better about myself. I'll be more confident. I'll have more courage. I'll, you know, be a superstar. I mean, it's just, you know... Or even just normal. I mean, it was just in my head somehow. It sounds crazy looking back, but I know, you know, millions of women go through this. And just mm-hmm. looking at magazines and, you know, movies and TV, it's just we get it in our heads that we need to be a certain way. Um, so what I struggled with when, you know, technology works for us and it works against us. Um, they started making websites where you could track calories. So I did that obsessively. Um, I did it for years and, you know, that's what really took off. Um, I would eat stuff and then exercise it off. Um, you know, exercise a lot and, um, just struggling. And at the same time, you know, I've got a daughter who I'm supposed to be a model for. And that's very, you know, that's something I never wanted to have I remember getting sober thinking I never want to have my kids see me drunk ever and then I had to eat you know I had this eating thing which I wasn't really aware of until like I said a couple of years ago okay just real quick I uh, just want to put out this put this out here real quick uh, we'll be continuing our conversation with Shannon M in just a moment but just a friendly reminder that you are listening to sober speak you can find us on the world wide web at SoberSpeak.com. There you will find uh, many other episodes, which you can listen to for free. Uh, you can also find the donate button on that website, which you can, and if you're moved to uh, donate, you can do such. And not any big deal at all, but I just need to put that out there. Please keep in mind this uh, podcast is funded by you, the listener. Self, SoberSpeak is self-supporting through our own contributions. We are not allied with any sect. 
denomination, politics, organization, or institution, we do not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorse nor oppose any causes. Now, back to our conversation with Shannon M. Okay, so wh- how did you find the program of, a, of, of OA, and, and how did you know about it, and how did you start participating in it? Well, um, about five years earlier, I, had, I approached one of my friends in AA and asked her how she did it. I, I remember seeing How she her, did what? So okay. I remember seeing her at a conference, and I was eating, like, a burger and fries, and she, I said, why aren't you eating that? You know, she, why aren't you eating this? And she said, I can't. That triggers me. And I didn't ask any more questions. I just went, okay. Like, you know, that's kind of, <laughs> you would normally want to ask more questions about that. I didn't want to hear anything about it. I knew exactly what it was. So I reached out to her. Um, that was in like 2000 or so when we had that conversation. I reached out to her in 2012, 13, and asked her what she did and how did she get free of that obsession. And she sent me a picture of the AA Big Book. And I thought, hmm, this is not really at all what I was thinking. (laughs) I was thinking it would be some book that had, you know, told you what to eat and when you eat and how many calories. How to count calories. Yeah. I mean, really, I thought that. So when she sent me the big book, I was very confused. And she said, you know, she told me about OA. And I just was not ready. Um, And then I got ready. I don't even remember what sent me to OA. Like, if I don't think there's a particular instance that happened. It was just, I just felt something just clicked in my head. And I felt like this could work for me. And so I went to OA. Gotcha. So I, I've done some some interviews with a, a couple of uh, Al-Anon members lately, uh, and you know there's some there, there's some differences between AA and Al-Anon and such. So what are the differences, if you will, between OA and AA? And, and then again, what are some of the similar? And, and I will say, Spencer, um, who I think you've heard his podcast, right, yes. said on, on when we were talking that. Uh, and I think he has something here that, uh, by the way, Spencer from The Recovery Show, uh, who I interviewed uh, recently, he said that once you get past that first step and you name that it, whatever it is, alcohol, other people, food, whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. then the steps are pretty much exactly the same. Um, so um, I guess that's one of the similarities, but can you talk about what you see as some of the similarities within OA and AA and some of the differences? Sure. Um, in OA, there are several rules of thought about how the steps should be worked, Um there's I, several what rules of thought? Like yes, they some people think, you oh, know, several different like theories yes. about how it should be should or should not be worked, right? Right. So gotcha. OA doesn't follow the big book um, as closely as AA does, if that makes any sense. They have their own um, 12-step workbook, but Al-Anon has the 12-step workbook also. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there's just some things that um, there are some differences, um, but the similarities. I found a sponsor that worked the twelve steps out, twelve steps out of the big book. Um, we changed a few things from alcohol to food. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also been to OA meetings that they don't change it. They still say alcohol, 
in this in the 12 steps even though we're they're talking about food it's just kind of a respect thing to aa um so it was exactly like working the steps in aa when i worked the steps in oa it was wonderful okay so i want to ask you something that is similar to what i asked uh spencer uh Mm -hmm. with alan and that is you know in alcoholics anonymous basically we know that this is your sobriety date. It is very easy to measure, so to speak, uh, because either you've been drinking or you had. Now there's a whole idea of emotional sobriety and all that sort of stuff. But uh, but but if you talk about just being sober and not drinking alcohol, you could pretty much measure that day and time. In OA, how, is there a such thing as a slip? And what's your date that you claim? Or are there dates? And how do you work all that? So you have to live to, I mean, you have to eat to live, correct? So you can't take all food away, like alcohol. Um, So there are different ways that people do it. Some There is an OA food plan, and some people follow that. Um, And if they don't follow their food plan, then they slip, and that's how they, you know, have their dates and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I am of the... You know, and then there's a lot of people like me who work the steps and we're just doing the best that we can. Mm-hmm. Um, some people have a food log and really follow it. You know, even like Weight Watchers or something like that, they end up doing that to work. If you tell me I can't do something, I'm going to do it. And not only am I going to do it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to way overdo it. You're going to you know? double down. Oh, yeah. So I can't have any perimeters around what I can and cannot eat. <laughs> Did you say perimeters? Yes. Then you mean parameters. <laughs> John. <laughs> That's okay. Should we go there? My wife has this uh, tendency. We call them uh, uh, butchered cliches. <laughs> Uh, like the other day, you said uh, that's a through. What'd you say? You you combine through the roof and what did you, you remember? What you said? I'm not saying. All right. <laughs> it's she, embarrassing. Yes, she has a tendency to take two different things and uh, collide them together into one thing. But nonetheless, all right. So you have these perimeters that you're putting around your. Uh, well, some people do. I don't. Yeah. My recovery in OA is more about working the steps and. Um, making sure or trying to check myself out. Am I obsessing about calories? Am I obsessing about a certain food? Am I eating? If am I hiding what I'm eating? Am I, um, you know, going out to the grocery store to replace food that I've already eaten? Those are the kind of things that it's a lot of actions that I do. Um, it's still, you know, it's up to a person in OA if they want to change their date or not. Mm. So it's very, you know, it's different. That's, it's different than right. AA. It's very different. And just so the listeners know, I mean, I'm, I'm listening to all this and uh, I'm learning things along with you. And uh, it's interesting, you know, uh, I just asked Shannon if she would, uh, <laughs> we were sitting here, I was doing some work on the podcast uh, getting some things ready, and I just looked over at her and I said, "Hey, you want to record a session right now?" And she was like, "Well, you give everybody else three or four weeks before they come on this thing." <laughs> I said, "Yeah, I don't know if that's necessarily good. <laughs> I mean, you don't want to have to think about it a lot." But and my whole point being is, is that 
I had no idea OA was even going to come up. And here we are spending a good portion of the podcast. That's why I, I like doing these things. I, 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 it's, uh, um, what do you call it, uh, spontaneous. Uh, and I never know exactly where we're going to go on these things. And that's why I so much love the conversation. So, all right. So how do we cover you getting sober in AA up till now in, you know, a short period of time. What do you want to talk about during that time? Just... So I do want to go back to college and my first AA meeting. Um, we There was just one person there and my roommate went with me. And this guy named Brian sat and talked to me and just really helped me out. And then met me at meetings and I got to know all the young people there and I got sober. Um that was just a very big turning point. Was it tougher? I know you're not, you know, and I know this about you, that you're not very, uh, uh, you don't like crowds, right? You right. You don't like people. You're, uh, well, I like people. Well, like no, 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 no. You don't, I, I apologize. I said that the wrong way. You like people. You don't like being around big groups of people. Correct. It drains you. Right? Yes. Uh, and so was it difficult at that time um, being around you know, a, a lot of people. And I, I, how big were those meetings? I mean, do you remember much about them? They were just, um, no, it was like 15 kids. Back then, I wasn't as bad about that. I mean, I got my desire chip in front of 75 people. I mean, and went up there and talked. <laughs> he laughs because I wouldn't, that would pretty much give me a heart attack today. Yeah. But when I was young, it, I would have done anything to get sober. I would have done anything. It didn't matter to me. Um, and that's what I had to do, or I felt moved to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went to meetings and was it trailers. Like a speaker meetings, 75 people? No, it was the, it was like this meeting. Oh, how do I explain it? We, the kids that are taking the substance abuse classes, we there is a meeting that you're you have to go to, okay? And so it's not even like a room full of alcoholics. Oh, really? It's a room full of college kids. Really? So you're kind of like a lab rat they were watching. No. <laughs> <laughs> There were other kids. I know, but they're not all alcoholics, right? And well, there were out lots of alcoholics. There were lots of them, but- especially the ones that were um, in the meetings with me on campus. But I did go to other meetings off campus, especially this one church. There was, you know, a trailer. Yeah. Um, it was a bunch of older men. We always sound- get stuck in the trailers. I you know. know. It was smoking. Smoking. It was, bunch yes, of old men. I trailer. smoked, and everybody smoked. Um. And that was the best experience I could have ever had. Um, they taught me the real—I don't want to say the real way to do AA, but you know, kind of old school, AA. very old school. Right. And I've stuck with that, and that's what works for me. Um, I did that in OA as well. I did the same kind of process, and my sponsor used that same process too, so it worked out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. Anyway, so yeah, I was in college and, you know, got sober there, got my desire chips and all my monthly chips. I got up in front of that same crowd and got these 30 days, 60 days. And then finally, I found a group off campus that I had, there are two, one in the church and one in another location. And I ended up getting my chips at that location from then on. Once I kind of got really into AA and not school, you know, I finally clued in like, I need like just meetings. So from there, you know, I got sober. Um, 
years went on, if just, you know, I was young and I was young and sober and Mm -hmm. dated and Mm -hmm. then met my husband. Who's that? (laughs) You. All right. So, and I, you know, I'm not necessarily asking you to speak about me, but I know, you know, we, um, uh, just our family in general, you know, we have two beautiful kids. Uh, we've told them, you know, we can break the cycle, so to speak. Uh, I always tell people and I'll let you add whatever you want to add after this, but I tell people all the time that, you know what, we get moody around here. Uh, we get cranky. Um, we do, we make a lot of mistakes. We're not perfect parents, nor do we have perfect kids. And I know our kids are going to grow up with uh, their own problems, but I don't want them to have my problems. But there's nothing uh, weird going on. Right. You know? There's oh, nothing, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, they may think it's weird when I don't let them play as much electronics right. as they want to play. But, you know, compared to a lot of what you and I had to experience as kids, you know. That's, yeah. And I think that's the big story with us as a couple is that um, the odds were against us. Mm-hmm. Um, you're 13 years older than me. Mm-hmm. Um, we were but- both. But I just to throw this out there, uh-huh. you read at a level that is 13 years older than yourself. <laughs> yes. So that, that pretty much puts us on the same plane. <laughs> yes, as you can tell about my drinking career. I'm quite advanced. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it just, I remember, you know, in getting married. I mean, at our wedding, I saw John up there and I just, it was home. I knew it. And I haven't looked back. Mm -hmm. Um, We have two beautiful kids and been together 16 years. 16 years, yes. And, um, you know, marriage can be tough, but we've Mm -hmm. both been sober this whole time. There's not been any sort of big addiction going on i know mm. my you know i know i have my oa but it, nah. it wasn't disrupting the whole house correct it was just something i needed to take care of mm. with my brain um and yeah so you know it's just been amazing and i do i'm grateful for that every day a big re- like i've said a big reason i got sober is i did not want to do that to other people i did not want to bring up people in the same house i had had brought or was brought up in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was in, I did some counseling and stuff. And one thing that she told me, which just blew me away, is she said, You just broke the chain. And I was like, What? <laughs> what do you mean? She's like, You're, you're out of your family cycle now. I had done some work and uh, she was right. I didn't believe her at the time. Speaking of counseling, when I met Shannon, I told her that I was really not interested in getting married. We'd been dating for about a year. <laughs> And uh, she said, well, um, I'm interested in having a family, at least one child. So if you're going to stay with me, we're going to get married and you're going to have a child. If not, God bless you. It's been really nice. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why do you got to mess up a good thing here? I mean, come on. (laughs) Give me a break. And uh, so we ended up going to counseling. Yes. And through the counseling, I said, 
You know what? I, I, I do I want to say with Shannon and I will agree to at least one child. We ended <laughs> up having two. And, you know, I, I can't imagine life without her, without either one of them. And, you know, when we had our first child, I do remember saying, why did I wait so long? Mm-hmm. This is absolutely fantastic. And so, uh, you know, God... God's been real good to me. He let hardly anything work out the way I had it planned. Yes. <laughs> and uh, so it's been a good ride. So, all right, my dear. Well, time has flown. Yeah, it has. Maybe we'll get back together at some other point and have another conversation. Um, anything else you want? So if, you were to, if, if you're thinking about newcomers out there mm-hmm. who may be listening to this, right, and they may be struggling getting sober themselves, uh, and maybe people that they think they don't have a chance with a family or to, to put a family together and those sorts of things. What kind of uh, thoughts would you like to put out there? Anything that comes to mind? The first thing that comes to mind is not to compare your insides to other people's outsides. Um, I don't know why that's coming to my mind, but that's what came to my mind. Um, that was a big one for me. Um, I had all this pain inside, and I looked around me at even in AA meetings, and I thought, nobody understands the pain that I'm in, that nobody gets this. And what I found out slowly over time is that everybody has pain. And no matter what we look like, no matter, you know, our you know money or jobs or you know, a kid or an adult or a teenager. I mean, we all have our pain and need each other. And um, it takes courage to reach out and ask for help, but it's worth it. Right. And I'll put it this way, and that is, I would say um, all of us, every single one of us, at some point are saying, or looking out at others and saying, if only they knew, Yeah. right? If only they knew what was going on inside me. Uh, Maybe they wouldn't want to be near me. Maybe they wouldn't like me. Um, But but we all have that. Yeah, we really, really all have that. I can't express that enough because, you know, we do that. And we're in pain, and then we don't ask for help because we think, you know, nobody's going to like me. Nobody's understanding me. But in most of the time, especially in AA, you're going to find that these people had that. They had, they understand. They were there. Um, and they can help you. That's right. Mm-hmm. So the message is, if you're out there and you're listening to this uh, and you need help, ask for help. Ask for it. It's available. Yes. And there are, there are bukus of people that are willing to help. You just got to be willing to stick your hand out there. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed that uh, interview with Shannon M. I sure did. Once again, I want to thank you uh, for uh, listening in. Uh, We welcome all your thoughts and feedback. We'd love to hear from you. Please contact us at feedback at soberspeak.com. And I'm going to read from the big book, page 164, to close this out. And it says, Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to Him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Once again, thank you, Shannon, for joining the Silver Speak Mike.